What a night, what a story, what a match, what a war games. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast post-war games review show powered by thegorillaposition.com and presented by the Hacker Hameen Media Group. Rick and I obviously have a lot to talk about here, but before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. We're talking creative as well as the business behind the business that is this crazy world of professional wrestling. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day or night, whichever the case may be. Joined, as always, alongside my Huckleberry, RBV. Rick, welcome to the second take of your show. It's me. It's me. It's that R to the B to the V. You are right, Mr. Jargo. What an exciting night of action. Once again, hats off to NXT. You know, from the performers, management, agents, production, and everyone who helps the machine move, what an outstanding job. What a great show. Holy cow. Well, you know, before we jump into anything, you know, speaking of all those parts that, that helped the machine move and, and, and what, what a great night it was, speaking of all of that, uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to, to say a major thank you to the many great folks that, that participated tonight in our live discussion viewing party over in the Hameen Media Discussion Group. You can find us there on Facebook. Everyone participated. You know, great conversation. But, but I want to especially throw a, a very sincere and special thank you out to our boy Vincent. Everyone else there knows him as Mr. Acer. He just goes far and beyond expectations. When you're in the, when he is hosting these viewing parties, I mean, he put so much work and effort to to bring the event alive. It almost feels like you have a you have someone sitting right there in the play by play booth that is there just for you. Uh, again, thank you, Acer. Thank you very much for all that. Uh, and I will jump into in my close a little more into everything we got going on in the discussion group and and I know throughout our conversation here tonight about NXT Takeover War Games, uh, we're going to bring up quite a few names. Some of the great members over there and some of their comments and observations uh, on tonight's show. Great discussion tonight. I believe we were over 600 comments for our first live thread in the Hacker Hameen Media Group. Great show. Great show. Lots to talk about. What we're not going to talk about, though, is Johnny Gargano versus Pete Dunne or Ruby Riot versus... Shit, who the hell was she fighting? Sonia... DeVille, that's her name. Yes, yes. Sonia DeVille. Jesus Christ, we're tired. This is like our fourth show of the weekend. Give us a break. Hey, we're all right, man. I'm still hyped. I'm ready to go. 
because we, we got a lot of uh, exciting stuff to talk about here. But you are right. We don't want to throw any spoilers out there. We don't want to talk about you know those two hot matches. We couldn't believe that there just wasn't room to, to, to get those on the program here tonight. But Since they're showing them next week on NXT, we're not going to talk about them tonight. We'll save that for next week. Perfect. Let's not get too hard, too far ahead of ourselves. Leave something there. That's that's what the you know that's the point of this. That's what you want. You want a hot program like this. You want to get people hooked. You want them to sink their teeth into it and roll them over to your next program, which would be next week's episode of NXT on the WWE Network. So I know you put a lot of emphasis on your pre-shows. What did you think of the Takeover War Games pre-show? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it immensely. Here's what I got from this. You know, there there are three types really of NXT fans. There are, are those of you, those that are like yourself, that tune in each and every week. Your finger is right on the pulse of NXT. You're right up to date. You know what's going on. There's, there are fans like myself. Love the product. Always impressed with what we see there. But maybe we don't tune in each week. We know there's a big event coming up, and we'll sit and binge watch everything that we need to see to make sure that we're, you know, we're up to speed with what's going on, that we know what to invest in. And then there are that third group that kind of just go off hearsay. Maybe what they maybe what they read on the sheets, maybe what they see in their conversation boards. They're picking up enough information. They can stay with the product somewhat, but they know when these takeover events roll around, they need to tune in. They need to make sure they don't miss the action. This half hour pre show did just enough to, to to me to really satisfy all three of those groups. It brings you right up to speed, lets you know what you should be interested in. You can get excited and roll right into the program. And with that half-hour mark, man, it seems like it flies by, and, and you're not – it's not one of those things where you're sitting there just waiting, okay, is this over yet? It's one of these, I can't believe that the show is already here. I really felt that way about the entire show. I mean, two and a half hours just flew by. We talk about how hard it is to digest a three-hour Monday Night Raw, but this show was over before you knew it. Yeah, it most certainly did fly by. You know, you get through a couple matches, and, and you can't believe what time it is. And before you know it, you know, you're an hour and a half, hour and 45 in. You're, you're starting to get geared up for those big matches, and then those go by, and, you know, and you're wondering where the time went. Well, let's jump into the card. Cassius Ono taking on Lars Sullivan. We nailed the order of the card on our preview show, by the way. Good job on us. Cassius Ono, the first one out. We always put an emphasis on that. Who's going to get that opening pop? I think Ono was the right choice. Nice, happy sing-along song. Yeah, you know, it sets that tone. It gets everybody up. They're participating. You have that lively reaction. That's what you want right out the gate. You want to get everyone up on their feet, and you set the tone for the entire show. Now, I know in the comments, uh, some of the fans, they, they seemed a little displeased with this match. You know, to me, man, I, I thought this was... The perfect opening match. They did everything that they needed to do here. It was a hard-hitting action. Uh, they, they kind of, to me, they gave hints at what I could expect for the rest of the night there. I would say hats off to both these guys. I completely agree. I think this was a perfect opening match. They didn't do too much. They didn't do too little. Just two big guys kind of kicking the shit out of one another. Yeah, I especially want to give a shout-out here to, uh, to my boy Odo, representing the great state of Ohio. He's from Dayton, Ohio, just just a bit north of where I was born and raised. So always always good to have that uh, Ohio connection. Little little home, a little homer in me, just you know having to root for him here. Unfortunately, it didn't go well for Ono for about the first half of this match. 
Lars comes out and just decimates him off the top. I was starting to wonder if this was actually going to be a squash match. Ono does get a little bit of a comeback in, hits two big elbows to the back of Lars's head, finally takes the big man down, and then Lars kicks out at one. Talk about a lost art. Kicking out at one. Yeah, you hit me with two big elbows in the back of the head. I don't give a fuck. I'm kicking out at one. Well, you know, even even getting that one count, and that was a little bit of a victory, uh, you know, on for Ono, correct? Because I, up to this point, I don't believe Sullivan's found himself in that position, has he? No, I don't think so. I think this is the first time Sullivan's been taken off his feet. Now, okay, I'm trying to go back. Uh, you know, we just finished watching everything that went down here, all the action, all the excitement. Uh, we haven't really had a chance to absorb everything that we've watched, so uh, help me out here. Going back, trying to remember what we've seen here in this first match. The, the tide turned here. Ono had his opening. Is this right after Sullivan went up top for that high-rest maneuver, that flying dive that he uh, kind of miscalculated on? Well, yeah, and I think that was the story of the match, and Hunter even kind of put that over in his post-match interview where he says, you know, Lars is young. He's a rookie. He's making rookie mistakes. But, boy, when he gets it figured out, and I think that was really the whole point of the match. Like, there's no reason that Lars should go up top and go for a frog splash. I, I like how Triple H would even, you know, make points to explain that there. You know, he is young. He's going to make mistakes here. He, as dominant as he is, you still got to remember here, there there are flaws in his game because he is still learning and developing. You know, I, I kind of took it also as on, an, on another meeting, on another level, to me, you know, in this opening match, we were talking about this really has to set the tone for everything we're going to see in the night. But to me, it was just a little teaser to, hey, you better be paying attention. This is going to be a wild ride because you're going to see some individuals do things that you're not used to. People are going to have to up their game and take some big risks to perform on this stage. Solid, hard-hitting opening match. Thought it set the pace well. I couldn't ask for much more out of an opening contest. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, you know, just here in my, my last notes here, and believe me, you know, just how wild it was just trying, to, you know, to watch, to participate in the live discussion and take notes. Uh, so I'm kind of everywhere, scattered brain here. So I'm trying to put this together as we go. But my last set of notes here on this, how to describe what, what I've witnessed, simple, dot, 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 classic, dot, 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 hard-hitting action that set the tone for the night, dot, 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 right guy goes over. Yep, just two big guys kicking the shit out of each other. Gotta love that. Oh, yeah. You know, especially the traditionalists in us. You can't beat that. What do you see as the future for Lars? Like, where does Lars go from here? Well, that is a, that is a tough question. Uh, you might be best suited to maybe handle that. Like I said, you, you're week in, week out. You, you've really got your feel on that NXT pulse. Well, the problem uh, is know, Lars is so much bigger than everybody else. You know, so you, you need a big guy to put him in there with. And I mean, short of like breaking Killian Dane off of sanity and doing something there, I guess you could do that. I guess you'd have that option there. I'm not really sure how you, you go that roundabout way of getting those two hooked up with each other. Dijak. Hey, Dijak and Sullivan. That'd be good. Have Dijak oh, be the go. first one to put him down. Oh, that that be outstanding! What a way to even bring him in, bring him in with just two big brutes like that, and a, just a, a slobber knocker of a program. 
Or there's also they, the option of just send him up. Well, I was going to say maybe they know what, you know, it's always, you know, people really praise NXT. They know what the hell they're doing. There could be a lot to Triple H's comments in, in the post show that went up there to specifically go out of his way to remind us, hey, you know, he is, he is a rookie. He does have flaws. He is still learning and growing. You intentionally throw that out there that you find a veteran somewhere along the lines that, that could really expose some of his weaknesses and, you know, that maybe that him lacking in that mental edge that he needs to really elevate himself. Uh, maybe that's the next program, and then you move into, you know, him and the Too Big Monster program. When we go over to the discussion thread, there were a couple of interesting takes there. Money McIver calling for Braun versus Lars. Would you be interested in that program? Yeah, that, that was his comment. He, he shot that out right out of the gate. Give me Sullivan versus Strowman. Get it booked. Uh, money was all over that one. And then Andre I, Santos comes back calling for Braun and Lars as a tag team called the Teddy Bears. I, I got to tell you, I like both ideas. So I don't know. Can we can we have our cake and eat it too? I mean, isn't that the natural progression of the way of the world of professional wrestling? Maybe we, we can have get unit? those. Maybe we can get those WWE writers that do like you know six months worth of creative in six minutes. It could all happen at once. I, I just I, I don't know, and I think Santos, you know, he was making a making a joke of a, you know, just trying to get a chuckle out of us there with the teddy bear comment. But I would encourage him out there to uh, to never repeat that again, just in case that it ever does fall upon the ears of WWE creative. I, I'm I'm just I am picturing those two at some point in a novelty novelty act where the loser actually has to put on a giant teddy bear costume. Kenny Wicker says that he really likes Sullivan's music. It sounds like a big scary monster is coming. My four-year-old, when Sullivan came walking out, looks up at the TV and goes, that's a bad guy. Even she gets that Sullivan's scary. He is a, a big, nasty dude. What about Ono? Do you, do you see Ono ever making it to the main roster at this point? Yeah, I have to say, unfortunately for him and his fans out there, I don't want to completely rule it out. I just think if it does happen, he would be he would be put in a position where he is even a poorer man's version of what we're getting from Ty Dillinger right now. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Ono is best suited in that player coach kind of role. Where he plays the gatekeeper. If you're if you're a heel getting ready to go up to the main roster, you go through Ono. Or if you're a hot heel coming in, your first feud is with Ono. Yeah, I would say there's there's no shame in in the NXT game. Uh, he's got a great position down there. You know, he is he's always a credible threat. He is over like crazy with their audience. The fans get behind him. He's going to be the guy that can elevate those true performance center talents that are coming in that need someone like him. And, and what's, what's the shame in positioning yourself right there? Like you said, as a player coach and maybe lock yourself in with some kind of trainer's position at the performance center. You know, there's, if you go up and, you know, research it, it, it there's quite a list of people that have come from under his wing. You know, he is very well at teaching the art of professional wrestling. And maybe that's, maybe that's his direction there. The British roster is shown at ringside. 
or the UK roster, however you want to say it. Are we ever going to get this show? Is the UK show ever going to happen? Joker, I, I would say you study the numbers, the business side of WWE just as just as much as anybody, probably more. What are they doing right now? Well, they're cutting costs left and right, obviously. It's it's cut, 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 slash, slash, slash right now. They know they have to they gotta cook those books. Everything has to look hot because they're getting ready to enter into some big time television negotiations with uh, with USA Network and their parent companies there. They gotta make the they got, they have to put the best possible spin on everything WWE to try to to counter the argument they're gonna get with their faltering ratings, uh, to really put an emphasis on what their product is worth here. I mean, we're, we are talking a huge chunk of change, which arguably keeps the company going right now. So I, I so with that, I just don't see them making an, an investment to go start up essentially another division, another show, another promotion. Well, then, the then what do we do with them? Because we got to do something with these guys. Well, what, I, here's what I would just very simple. What I'd like to do is we need to start actually spotlighting the UK championship and those great competitors that they have signed under that umbrella. You know, I want to see a, a hell of a lot more of them on NXT. I, I don't know why that with their size that they, the title and the talent can't be featured more on 205 live. We, we've seen them make appearances when they were over filming in the UK. Why can't, why can't we get more of that when they're filming anywhere around the globe? Hell, I'm down for just replacing 205 Live with a UK show at this point. guess that's an option, too. Yeah, I wonder if you could actually repackage that show where it, where it features both divisions, you know, come up with a different name there. Because you just really want to call it the UK show, and then you're filming it. And Well, I mean, most of those guys classify in the cruiserweight, right? For the most part. I just don't think you want to somehow just blend the two shows together and give it a new Yeah, game. maybe where you highlight both divisions and maybe there is some crossover, but I don't think you want to handcuff that UK championship. You know, put it with that stigma of where, oh, it's just a spinoff now and associate it with that cruiserweight division. God, I want to see Enzo Amore call Pete fucking Donald Lightweight. God, I want to see that happen. Hey, I, I am still behind. I, I know we, we kicked it around yesterday when we both were real high on the notion that Adam Cole was going to walk into the night as your NXT champion, walk out of tonight with, as the NXT champion. Unfortunately, that is not the case, but I am still going to stick with the pitch that I made at Royal Rumble TakeOver or TakeOver Royal Rumble. I would like to see Pete Dunne as UK champion taking on the NXT champion, title for title. Uh, I think that, uh, that would be beyond, beyond huge. No, oh, we're going to talk about the future plans for the NXT championship. Just you wait. Let's go to Alistair Black versus the Velveteen Dream. Does Alistair Black have the best entrance in the business right now? I'm glad that you went to the entrances here. That's I've got quite a few notes here. That was one of the one of the things before we get into this awesome action and, and the storytelling in a match that stood out to me. Man, what an intense entrance, man. He he just sets the tone for you, doesn't he? You know what to expect from him. You get that vibe. There's something about the candles and the coffin rays and his presence, and there's something special in that guy, man. Something very, very special in him. I just hope that 
Vince doesn't look at him, see Punk, and turn around and run the other way. I think a lot of that, you know, maybe, you know, everyone kind of gets on Vince uh, that maybe he, you know, his misinterpretation of what a talent should be or where they're going. Well, you know, maybe we'll get some credit here. Maybe he looks at him and, and he sees he sees Punk and then realizes all the positives he had with Punk, and then in you know hopefully in on in Black's favor, he's got a bit of a better attitude. Or Vince thinks that he could recreate that and take it to the heights that he could have had with Punk with without the you know the eventual attitude and the resentment towards the company. James Power says, "I don't know." if this Velveteen Dream gimmick will get over on the main roster. But I really hope it does. When I first saw this gimmick, I absolutely hated it. And you saw the response to it tonight. It was almost like Velveteen Dream was more over than Aleister Black. So many positive comments that I saw in the live discussion thread that we were participating in, and I kind of was... I was peeking into other areas of the internet, see what kind of the vibe was. So much positive towards this young man. I think, you know, it's, it's just fans appreciating his character work. Absolutely. And, and, then, and then what we even seen here tonight, you know, Dream comes out, he's upping his game, upping his character, upping his presentation. And everyone took notice. And even in defeat here, he came out looking like a million bucks. Oh, agreed. What did you think of the trunks? We got to talk about the trunks, right? Oh, yeah. I, I thought they were great. Dream on one side, Alistair on the other side. I saw a couple of references inside of the discussion group to Ravishing Rick Rude trunks, and that's very much what it reminded me of. And then later in the match, Morrow even puts over the Rick Rude comparison by saying that Dream hit the Rude Awakening. I, I was going to say... We, we had a couple of people uh, comment on that there, the Rude Awakening. What a, what a great name there. I, another movie had when he went for a kick and Black caught it, and it kind of had like a setup for a ghetto blaster. Yep. I always thought that I always want that to become like a spot for him and just call it the ghetto slap because he just <laughs> let him have it. Another, you know, another way to face some homage to some classic old school maneuvering there. I mean, I, I just like, I think that would be great to, to add to his arsenal. Speaking of moves that I absolutely loved, Alistair Black going into that crucifix octopus hold was incredible. And then probably the best sequence of the night, there were absolutely no moves. There was that huge character sequence right in the middle of the match. And I saw it in NXT Des Moines. They did the same, basically the same match, minus the post match promo. What did you think of the the character spots in the middle of the match with Dream sitting like Black and Black sliding up to Dream, like Dream? I liked them. I, I thought it upped the intensity. You know, it showed. I, you know, I thought in the moment. You know, it was just trying to one-up each other. Oh, you want to come out here and put on this kind of show? I can do that. Well, I, you're about showmanship, too. I can do that. And in addition to the physicality, earning one another's respect, I think this added to that quite a bit. About halfway through the match, you get a This Is Awesome chant. 
It was actually deserved this time because it was awesome. At this point, the crowd wasn't annoying me yet. But me and the crowd have some issues later on in the night. Uh, Craig Thompson Horsley says this was the show stealer. He's calling that in the second match of the night. That's how good this match was. At the end, Aleister Black hits the Black Mask to dispose of the dream. Black shows a sign of respect by saying Patrick's name post-match. Both guys go over in the end. Money McIver making reference to these two as a tag team. Would you like to see these two in the Dusty Classic as a tag team together? I was going to say, I had it here as my final note here. I, I want to kind of go back to the... Um well, I guess, yeah, that was my lead-in here to the money thing. You know, the say my, say, say my name, say my name kind of deal. And he puts that over. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, what, what, do you, what do you feel in there? I, I know money was, I mean, he said it like, oh, my God, I, I hope they're not going with this. And he called just before this match even started. Well, I think really what this was, was they were going to make goddamn sure Velveteen Dream got over in defeat in this match. I think you could have went without the post-match promo because of how good the match was. But if something had went goofy in the match, maybe some things weren't playing to the house show audience as well as they had hoped, and they felt that they needed this promo after the match. It could be any number of things, really. But I agree. I don't think that you needed this promo because I think the match was good enough that you didn't need it. Does this you made you made a comment in the chat? Is this essentially the same match that you saw at a live event a couple weeks ago? Yeah, it's exactly the same match that I saw, minus the post match. So you think maybe that's why they felt the need to really slide this in here because they've been doing this all over the country. Well, it's interesting because the show that I was at was one hundred percent behind Alistair Black. It was a very very different crowd than what they had tonight, which seemed like they were very much behind Velveteen Dream. So maybe they were just getting those mixed responses and thought that they had to do this after the match. Okay, I see that. I mean, that'd be something we'd have to kind of research, you know, what kind of response they were getting as they traveled the country putting on this performance. Maybe they, maybe they knew what they had going on here. I think a lot of this response that you've seen there, it's just going back to he went out there and earned everyone's respect tonight. He, he truly yep. upped his game. It's something that we haven't seen from him. Just something that was, we said, you know, something just as subtle as the tights. And, try, you know, bringing kind of up that nostalgia feeling for a lot of people. He went back and did a lot of kind of old school kind of, you know, just maneuvers and tactics and the flash and positioned himself just really, really well to reach out and really get that audience to emotionally vest in him. Well, I saw somebody had made a comment that he wasn't very good in the ring yet, that he was still very green in the ring. And I was just thinking back to that Des Moines match and I was like, that match was freaking awesome. If he can go with Alistair Black, the problem isn't Patrick Clark in the ring. The problem is whoever you're putting him in the ring with, if you're getting the impression that he can't go. He kept up with Black tonight just fine. There was one spot that was a little bit different that I saw. You know when AJ does the uh, moonsault and catches the guy in like a reverse DDT? You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. Um, Black did that to Velveteen Dream. Tonight, it was a springboard into a cross body 
instead of the reverse DDT. And it looked like something was off and Patrick adjusted and just took it as a cross body instead of the reverse DDT. Stupid little things like that. You, you're not even going to notice if you haven't seen the match before. But I so have he was absolutely. Able, he was able to. So what's from what you've seen? He adjusted on the fly, and it looked fine. Nobody would have noticed if you hadn't seen it before. Which which shows that he's growing and improving by leaps and bounds. Absolutely, absolutely. If there was a mid card title inside of NXT, I would advocate for Velveteen Dream to hold it right now. There you go. Right. Oh, you know, I, I found one more thing there. I uh, kind of go back to the comparison there to Black to uh, CM Punk. I just found this as I was kind of floating around the group looking for some content to share with everybody out there. Uh, Anthony uh, Marinelli. I think he, he kind of is on the right track here. Uh, Alistair Black is like CM Punk with the right attitude and turned up to 100. That's a bold that's statement. Some, that's some pretty uh, some pretty big praise there. That's a bold statement. Go back and watch Money in the Bank 2011. That's a bold statement. Well, I, to me, what really stands out here is you know, that he's kind of pointing out right attitude. And if he can sustain that, then maybe they do look at him and say, hey, man, we, we know what we had kind of in this direction with a similar character or similar talent. You know, maybe this guy can be the second coming for us. I think the difference is Punk was a talker and Black is a worker. And I'm not sure how that translates to the main roster. I think I think he's got to work more on his promo. There we go. Well, he's got a lot. He's got a lot, but he's still got time. He still hasn't been there very long. He's still young in the game with WWE. So, let's talk about the women's four-way: Nikki Cross versus Kyrie Sane versus Peyton Royce versus Ember Moon. That was the order of the entrances as well. Nice touch having William Regal hand the title to the referee before the match and then just excuse himself. That was all that you saw of William Regal. I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, until later on, but, uh, well, you know what, yeah. you know, coming out here, talk about setting a tone, each lady with a very impactful entrance. Uh, I think each one of those set the tone for how ready they were for this moment and how important this moment was for each of them. Nikki cross evidently hired the LAX camera crew for her entrance. It was all over the freaking place, which fits for sanity. I'd say it fits, it fits her. She's all over the place. Absolutely. Uh, we had new music for Kyrie Sane. Uh, Peyton comes out with Billy Kay looking like a million bucks. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, one thing I did note, though, whatever happened to the Poison Ivy gimmick? Like, are we done with that? Uh, maybe they just moved on from it. Huh. Weird. And then you get the standard entrance for Ember and Moon, which is always awesome. Uh, Monica Castro pointed something out to me in the live discussion thread. She is from Dallas. I had kind of forgot about that going into this match. So she gets the home state girl pop. Yeah, it, you know, they played that up a little bit on the pre-show. Booker T was in there selling hard for her. Yeah, I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah, she, she came out of his school, had spent some time there with Reality of Wrestling promotion, which obviously is also owned and operated by one Mr. Booker T. And he, he spent a great deal of time really putting that over and putting her over as a, as a unique and incredible talent. I loved early in the match, Peyton Royce trying to pin both uh, Ember Moon and Nikki Cross at the same time. 
I thought there was a lot of that in this match, but that was the first of it. Well, I I know one you know one big spot. I, I don't want to say it was early in the match. It was uh, maybe somewhere between like a third of the way through, two thirds of the way through. You know, I, I usually really dislike the Tower of Doom spots. Yeah, agreed. But the but the but the one they had in this in this match here, man, it really hit the mark for me. I thought it was really well executed. That was awesome. I did have that in my notes. Uh, the power bomb from Nikki Cross or Ember Moon to Austin. Nikki Cross on the yeah, floor. Holy crap! Yeah, she threw her down with some authority there. Holy cow! You know, a lot of uh, I noted here for the timing, some of the timing on the spots here in this match, except for the way too close or seemingly botched breakup by uh, by Sane. The timing and positioning seem spot on in this match. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the tarantula from uh, Peyton Royce onto Ember Moon, and then you get the super kick to break it up. I was just like, oh my God. Some of these spots were incredibly well done, and the way that the camera shot them, you were just like, oh, didn't even see her coming. Love that. Uh, I thought that it was over on the fisherman suplex from Royce to Cross. Uh, Kyrie Sane with the Alabama slam of Royce onto Cross and then the insane elbow onto both of them. Ember in for the breakup. Let's talk about that botched spot. What what the hell happened? Did she just not get in there fast enough? Is that? Yeah, I, I just think it was a, a timing miscue. She was just a little behind where she should have been. And you could see, you could really see it in the official's face. He had his head up. He's looking. Okay, where the hell are you? Where the hell are you? Where the hell are you? And you could really see that he slowed, almost paused, paused his hand, that arm going down at that three. And then it, when she got into the ring, then he, then he was able to do that drop where she just barely got in there in the nick of time. And I have always been told that the referees are instructed to just count to three. Like, yeah. Don't hesitate it. Just count to three. It's it's on the talent to get in there and break it up. Um. The Ember Moon Eclipse onto both Royce and Cross, and then the pin on Cross to become women's champion was awesome. It was a very, very cool camera shot, but Cross looking up to make sure that she was in position kind of ruined it for me. But it was a really, really cool finish. And then yeah, we I, get you know, thought, a little I bit of controversy. Con- I thought the concept behind the, the finish was great. And, and it was extra tricky to pull that off with the double the double spot, you know, on them. Yep. Because that thing, without the right camera positioning, that maneuver comes off looking like crap quite often. Yep. But if you would have had a different camera shot of it, you wouldn't have seen Cross looking up to make sure she was in the right spot for it either. So it, it's kind of a, it's a dual-edged sword, really. Regardless, it's a freaking cool spot. And it looked great. Yeah, it was a good, unique way to, to end the match there, I suppose. What did you think of Asuka coming out to present Ember Moon with the title? To me, it took away from the moment. Uh, seeing her go, seeing Moon go over, and we talked about this in, a, in the preview show. There's been so many great tough competitive fighting champions through NXT, through the women's division, you know, that's really become what has defined and what you expect as their champion. 
And in this situation, how they, they vacated the title and moved Asuka on, I wasn't a big fan of it from, from the very get-go, from that point. And we've seen all four of these competitors. They've all had their shots at Asuka. Well, except not, for Kyrie Not all Sane. four. Except for Sane. But, you know, the three, the three mainstays there. We, we've seen them have right. their shot there. Yep. So, really, anybody other than Kyrie Sane feels like second place is getting the trophy. Well, no. No, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not going that far. Uh, because when I look at those, just to throw Sane out of there right away, she is too comparable. It just seems like you're just sliding in an interchangeable part. Yep, yes, we agreed. talked about there, there are major differences between those two. Actually, when you get, break them really get down to it, they are not the same in any way. But appearance is everything, and it seems like you're just sliding one Asian lady in for another. When you look at Cross and Moon, they were considered real serious threats to Asuka. At, at times, we were really supposed to think that those two were going to be the ones that were going to dethrone the queen uh, to end the streak. Royce, on the other hand, she never really was that threat. She was just kind of that annoyance that was kind of just always sticking around in there. So to me, I, I just would have changed the direction. I, I would have changed the entire direction of the division. I would have given it to Royce, set a different tone, because with them going with any... With Cross or Moon, in which they did here, this really seems like now we just have a second-rate champ, and you really hammered home that point when you have Asuka in there handing her the title. Yeah, I didn't like Asuka being there because now it really did feel like second place is getting the trophy. I understand yeah. it was a great moment between two rivals and all that, but it really felt like the champion handing second place the trophy and saying, well, I'm not here anymore, so here you go. I didn't get any great moment out of it. It was just a reminder that, hey, you know why you're getting this? Because you couldn't beat me. Right. This division is still going to be, is now total second class because I'm gone and you could never get this from me. But, but hey, congratulations, you finally went over when I'm not around. So now what? Now that Ember Moon is champion, who do you see as her big challenger, her first feud? You know, at this point, we, we have seen we've seen him kind of recycle through all these all of these girls getting their chance here. I think I'm ready to introduce somebody new. Let's have a challenger come out of nowhere. I'm ready for Baszler. I think Baszler I, I, and Moon is a very, very interesting matchup. That's probably where I'd go. That's your best PR move, you know? And especially uh, if you want to start building to the horsewomen angle. Yeah, you, you have to get Baszler some, get her some experience in there, get the fine-tuning that became quite obvious that she needed during the May Young Classic. Uh, so move her right into a high-profile position. Get her rolling. Anything else about the women's match that you want to comment on? Yeah, something kind of interesting I picked up on. It, and then uh, John Bruno made the comment about it. The best part of this pay-per-view was was when uh, Carrie fucking Sane got booed when she went up top for the elbow. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, I did. And this is where my problems begin with the crowd in Houston. I don't know what in the fuck their problem was, but at a certain point, that crowd turned. Did you catch that? I don't know if this was necessarily the moment, and I'm not exactly sure what happened, but at a certain point, that crowd completely turned 
on everybody. Because they were cheering Almas. They were cheering Undisputed Era. I, I don't understand what in the hell was going on with that crowd. And at a certain point, it just started getting disrespectful. So you think just somewhere along the lines that it just became too smarky? Yeah, absolutely. I think I have a note about it later on in the goddamn show. I I picked up on a few things. I, I maybe I wasn't like I said. You know, I was I was multitasking like crazy through this thing. I had about five different things going on. Yeah, there was so much going on tonight. But like chanting for the tables during the war games match. It's like, dude, it's war games. Who gives a shit about your tables? Just enjoy the match. Quit trying to get yourselves over. Good fucking God. I know we're going to get there, but do you think that was in the plan, or do you think he just kind of played to the audience? I think it was in the plan. I really do, because they had that top rope German spot that didn't go so well. I was going to say, I thought it was, you know, it was all in there, uh, but credit to Dane, man. He really sold it like, hey, I'm giving this to, I'm giving it for you people. Oh, no, you know what it was? It was during the next match. It was during Andrade Cien Almas versus Drew McIntyre. And I, I did notice in this match there was a couple. I popped for it, and you popped for it. The fans are chanting for Daryl. And that's great. I love Daryl. But save it for fucking Long Beach, you bunch of fucking smarks. Just sitting there trying to get themselves over. We just need a tranquilo crowd. But you know what it was? Nobody expected Andrade to win this match. So the crowd got fucking bored and then just decided that they were going to try to get themselves over instead of just enjoying the match. I bet you they feel like a bunch of assholes right now, don't they? Yeah, they probably all just kind of sat in and said, you know what? We know what's going to happen here, so let's go ahead and make it about us. Let's just go ahead and shit on some spots here. Yep. The 3MB chants don't make you cool. It just makes you a bunch of smarky, annoying group of fucking assholes. And guess what? The rest of the world don't appreciate you guys trying to get yourselves over. Go fuck yourselves. <clears throat> of course, we just got all those listeners from San Antonio. <laughs> San Antonio's cool. Fuck Houston. How about that? Pull that shit tomorrow. This is NXT. We're better than that. So let's talk about the beginning of the match. I did love, during the introductions, did you catch how Drew lays down the title and takes a knee during the intros so he doesn't just tower over CN? And he's like, eye, eye level with Zelina Vega. Love that. I thought it was, I thought it was a great touch. You know, just really rubbing it in like, dude, you're not prepared to be here. I, I am much larger in life and stature than you, but for a moment... I'll come down to your size before before I am fixing here to crush you is what I kind of took from it. At this point, I asked in the Hameen discussion group, does anybody give CN a chance? Nope. Not a one. Uh, I think the only one that was that really wasn't shocked was, uh, was again, we just read a comment from him, was John Bruno. I, I don't know if he actually believed it, but he was in there uh, rooting with all of his heart. For all this. Zelina goes for the head scissor spot again. Drew blocks it. I thought that was awesome. It was a great throwback to a couple of weeks ago when she actually hit it and threw Drew into the stairs. 
Uh, Craig is wondering why Vega isn't wrestling in the women's division. Do you have any idea, Rick? Because I've got nothing. I think it's in a, she's in a much better spot right here. You know, I, I want to go back to that spot. You know, I had to hear my notes. What a, what a tremendous spot that was. I, I thought it was so brilliant going over with the distraction, pulling everyone over there, and then only to have Becca come in and, and hit her spot. And then this set off a chain of near falls, which I thought were just, were just incredible. At this point, I actually have in my notes... Does this feel like a cooldown match to you, or was it just not believable at any point that CN is going to win this thing? That's literally you, what it says in you my know, notes. You know, starting off this match, I, I went in kind of with that attitude. There's no way. He's not ready yet. But then it's, if then as this match just slowly progressed through, I thought they really did a great job, at least from, from my standpoint. I started to believe. I started to think, hey, man, this might happen. Because... You're going back here to this combination between almost and Vega. To me, what, what a fantastic, fantastic, deadly combination they are. I, I was starting to buy into this that there was a chance that they are going to somehow finagle their way into this NXT championship. I was buying into it. I love the camera shot from the floor on the power bomb. It made it look so much more impactful. That's very much how New Japan shoots their matches. Did catch that. And then I actually have, again, in my notes, are any of these near falls actually making you buy into this match? Because I'm uh, assuming McIntyre's going to win this match. McIntyre hits the Claymore kick from hell, turns Almas inside out, Vega gets CN's foot up on the rope. Man, the, that Claymore kick, that place popped huge for that, didn't they? Holy shit. Dude, I think almost his head popped. I think it went flying off his goddamn it, it, shoulders. This, I kind of bought in when they when they did the distraction move. Not so much that the kick out really surprised me, but it made me start thinking, okay, maybe they got some more tricks up their sleeve. They could pull this thing out. This is where I bought in. When she threw that foot up on the rope, I started buying it. I started believing that this could happen. Next thing you know, and new NXT champion, Andrade Cien Almas. And everybody's jaws hits the goddamn floor. Now, let me ask you here. Uh, did they change this? Did they change this finish on the fly? I was going to ask you, do you think this was the finish? Or did Drew know he was hurt and put Cien over? We have now learned uh, from Triple H after the event, Drew McIntyre has a torn bicep. And if it's as bad as they think, it's going to require surgery and Drew's going to be out for a while. Well, you, you could even tell, you know, where it almost looked like Drew, he was working through some pain. I thought that and was just Drew selling his ass off because Drew does that. Well... At that moment, yes. It looks like he, he's selling, selling, selling. I mean, I really thought Drew was selling his ass off. And, but, the, I mean, brief, I was conscious of thinking, wow, he's really selling his ass off tonight. Well, in the, in the brief break that we had, a very brief break we had before the end of the show, between the end of the show and before starting recording here, I went back and took a quick look at it. It almost seems like there's a conversation going on in the match that something might be up. Man. 
Because here's the part that bothers me, of course. If you were going to take the title off of Drew McIntyre, why wouldn't you have just done it last night? Of course, the Adam Cole fan in me is just outraged that they would put it on Andrade and not Adam Cole. But if this is something that happened on the fly, I mean, then we can debate, was it the right call or not? Well, you know, even if it, all right, let's say it is on the fly. I think they might have a blessing in disguise here, and I would love to see them run with this for a little bit. Oh, you know, my, I think my initial, so too. My, my initial thought when it happened, you know, before kind of going back and hear, hearing the rumblings about, man, did they change, you know, did they change this on the fly here, and going back and kind of seeing where maybe, yeah, you see the conversation going on. My initial thought was, man, what a great, what a great swerve to the finish. It and definitely it kinda, came it, out of left field. Nobody saw well, it coming. It, it, and it kind of reminded me, first thing that popped into my mind was NXT is going back to a Bobby Roode-esque blueprint. Yep, that holy shit moment. Well, and then just kind of your, your attitude with just that really just, I don't know, a total dickhead heel champ. And that's what he is. I mean, he's the dickhead heel champ, whereas Adam Cole would be playing the chicken shit heel champ. Yeah, this is just a cocky SOB. And oh, by the way, he could totally go in the ring. What an incredible talent. Did Andrade Uh, show you enough tonight that you can buy into Andrade as champion? I I can buy into him as champion because of of this incredible duo. They have... He has every... With her by his side, they have everything they need to really pull this act off, I believe. I think this is, if they give him a chance, let him roll with this thing for a little bit. It's gonna, they're going to take it to another level. It's going to surprise a lot of fans out there. I, I think the biggest thing I took away from, especially when they were leaving, what a great shot. They, they, they look so good together. They look like a pair. It's believable. They work so well together. You got the, you got the talent, the cockiness, the, the mind the you know just the willingness to pull out any dirty trick that you can to get ahead and as they were posing there on the stage making their exit you know what pops in my head is somewhere rusev and lana are like fuck that should have been us at some point my immediate thought was i have this entire thing cast wrong i thought that this fall and winter was going to be about Adam Cole and turning Adam Cole into a star. And that is obviously not the direction that they're going right now. Not that they didn't do that in the next match, but we'll talk about that in a second. I feel like this entire thing is the build to turning Johnny Gargano into a star. I think Johnny Gargano is going to be Andrade Cien Almas' first challenger, don't you? Hmm. Is there another baby I, I face that you go to no, other I, than Gargano? Those, it's just one of those things. I, I'll have to. Tr- I'll have to kind of, you know, trust. Trust where you're going with this. Listen to your wisdom because you know I've said it a couple of times here that you are much more in tune with the pulse of NXT than I am. Well, can uh, you think of another baby face that's big enough to go after the title if McIntyre's out, and you're not going to get that rematch? Isn't Gargano yeah. your go-to guy? You you do you have a, a very a very good point. Now, is do we need some time to to reestablish Gargano here? 
I think he puts in a good showing against Pete Dunn, and he's already reestablished because the guy that made even him, if he has even if he has lost that match because yeah because the guy that made him irrelevant the guy who has made him irrelevant or I should say the woman who has made him irrelevant is Zelina Vega in the DIY shirts. That's how Andrade got on his hot streak to even get to the title match to begin with. I guess also you could toss in. Not exactly sure where they're going to be leading with him here. You know, Roddy's always someone that you could catapult into a position to challenge. I don't think this thing's done with Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. I think that continues. Maybe, you know, NXT has proven that that they're not afraid of, of blurring lines between programs. You know, maybe we have a, a few competitors. Uh, you do have some interaction with your two different types of heels a little bit, and you've got a couple uh, babies chasing. Well, let's move on to the main event and get all of the cats out of the back here. And we'll try to talk about as much as we can because... I was trying to take notes, and I couldn't even write fast enough to keep up with what was going on in the ring. Well, uh, first things first, I, I need to come out, uh, clear the air, a- admit that I was wrong. My concerns, my my worries about the modifications to this War Games format, uh, they went out the window from the get-go of this match. Holy crap. I don't, yeah, I don't think anybody's complaining about the rule changes at this point. I, I completely stepped away from those fond memories of the war games that, that I knew when I was growing up. And, and I got up to speed with the evolution of this match. And I think in the post-interview, Triple H, Triple H really you know, hit the nail on the head and how, what, he, what he described there. You know, he addressed, you know, there were, there were fans out there that were voicing uh, displeasure or that they were worried about the changes to this match and you know how, how it would come off or you know, how they would feel about it. And he said it needed to be done to let this new generation, this new era, instead of you know, living off of the success and the accomplishments of those that came before them, this gave them a platform to evolve the game, to evolve the gimmick and take it to new levels. And I, and I want to say you know, hats off to these nine gentlemen. I think they went out there and... And just blew it out of the water. I think it was an for what it for what these gimmick matches are. They exceeded any of my expectations. It was an incredible spectacle, without any question whatsoever. But it's one of those matches where you can't give it a star rating because it's just kind of its own thing. And I I'm with you. I think all nine of these guys just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. This- you get into something like this, like when you get into a gimmick match like this, I mean, you toss the technical rule book right out the damn window. I mean, these types of gimmick matches, they're all about violence. They're about spots and big pops. Oh, there were some big pops in this match. Holy crap, were there some big pops. Uh, first big pop, before anybody even comes out, Arn Anderson and Dustin Rhodes, shown at ringside, Arn Anderson was in 18 War Games matches. Are you freaking kidding me? Holy crap. Well, you got you to gotta remember, though, in those days, these were, this was a tour. So every town was getting these things. So he, there might be multiple War Games in a week. God, I, that's just a nightmare to even think about after seeing what we just witnessed tonight. 
My God. Uh, Monica Castro points something out that I've kind of thought about a little bit. She says that Undisputed Era reminds her of the Nexus. Do you get that feeling from them? Does she kind of elaborate what why she why she was feeling that? Because I I don't get that vibe in any way. You don't get that vibe at all. I think no. to me, I think this is what does it for me. I think it's the black and yellow color scheme, and then the stupid armbands. I think that's what does it for me. I think that's what gives it that Nexus vibe. Uh, Roderick Strong. I, don't know. I, I didn't see that comment. That's never crossed my mind. I, I don't see any correlation between those two. Roderick Strong getting the Kurt Angle shield treatment. He actually looks like he is a member of the Authors of Pain. What did you think of Roddy coming out in full-on combat gear? Hey, man, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was a nice little touch. You're going to war. You're going to war with two beasts. You got to get on the same team. You got to show some unity. I could not believe Adam Cole started this match after taking seven staples to his head in Austin two nights ago. Craig points out that it'd be really cool to see a split screen once the war games started so that you would be able to see both rings at the same time. There was a couple times where it seemed like we were watching the action going on in one ring and then something big would happen in the other ring. That would have been nice. Uh, I, see, I don't know. I, I'm never big, big on those split screens because, I mean, still one's going to draw your attention, you know. Uh, I actually, I, I kind of took it, a, you were saying maybe about missing some stuff. I didn't see it that way. I was going to actually, I have here to, and you kind of were talking about throughout the show, I was going to save it to this point here. I want to give some credit to the production and the camera crew. I didn't feel like we missed anything significant. They were real quick with their good, with their quick switches. Uh, just an example here. The spot at the top of the cage with the big suplex coming off. Yep. I, I really liked that they focused in on what was going up at the top of that cage there. And we didn't have that big panned out uh, zoom that we usually get or the panned out view that we usually get it, where we saw everyone where it just doesn't sell anything getting up together and getting in that big pile to you know to take the fall for everyone they went to the they went to the suplex and those guys were just there one thing i thought they did a great job of the entire match a lot of times when you watch like a hell in a cell match or a punjabi prison match or a war games match you can't see a goddamn thing through the cage i didn't have that problem at all tonight I don't know how many camera guys they had inside that cage, but it looked awesome. Yeah, I, I just want to say it was something throughout the entire show. You know, hats off to the production team. Every match, I loved so many of the angles, the shots that we got. You know, there was very little to complain about from, from that aspect of, of the program. I love the psychology of this match. I absolutely loved it. And it starts off when it's just the three of them and side of the ring Adam Cole has Roderick Strong in one ring and he has Eric Young in the other ring and he's going back and forth between the two rings just kicking the shit out of them because he knows that if they all get in the same ring the two of them are going to team up on him I thought that was freaking genius even when Undisputed gets in the ring they make the most of their three on one advantage and they just single both of the guys out. I thought it was an absolutely genius strategy and a genius plan. 
I thought divide, that it was divide and conquer. It was very interesting to see that all three teams had very, very different strategies coming into this match. I also would like to point out that it was when Undisputed Era first entered, like the three of them, into the ring. That was when I noticed that Percy was on commentary. I didn't notice for the rest of the show. Authors of Pain, the next ones to enter. I gotta love uh, Undisputed Era doing everything that they possibly can to make sure that that door stays closed. Did you catch that shot? I, I did. There was a lot of good work over there. With uh, here's one thing that, that I don't know. It might have been. It didn't like confuse me. Confuse me. I know what what they were going for. What they're trying to sell. But it just seemed kind of like stupid to me. Is it constantly we're reminding you every time that Cole would start up the cage? If he if he leaves the cage, his team is disqualified. But then in the next breath, they would be like, "But this match hasn't officially started yet." Yeah, yeah. It seemed okay, so like they were a little bit confused as to what was going on at the beginning of the match. Yeah, so if the match hasn't officially started, then what the hell does he care? Yeah, right. I I, I did enjoy. Uh, obviously, we'll get to it here in, in just a minute. But I loved Killian Dane just taking his jolly sweet fucking time getting into the ring. Oh yeah, I, I'm. I've got plenty of notes here. I, I figured we were just going to kind of single. If there was one competitor in this match to really single out, it has to be the big man really just elevating himself. Authors of Pain enter the ring, and immediately they put an end to this divide-and-conquer bullshit, and they start taking everybody that's in the one ring and picking them up and throwing them as far as they possibly can into the other ring. It was when you say <laughs> when you say everybody, you're not kidding because they even they even use their own partner. Pick up Roddy, throw Roddy into the other side of the ring too. Yeah. What the hell? Everyone's going over the other side. They're using their own partner as a freaking weapon. At this point, Monica Castro is just dying for Roddy to turn on the authors of pain. She must have put up a half a dozen comments throughout this match, just dying for Roddy to turn on AOP. It was it was quite funny. So. AOP's strategy is to get everybody into one ring and then pummel them to death. Very, very different than the Undisputed Era strategy of divide and conquer. Sanity comes in, and they have a completely different strategy. Wolf sneaks in a billy club in his jacket, which I thought was genius. Dane goes for weapons underneath of the ring. Sanity's strategy is... Nobody said we can use weapons, so fuck it, we're bringing the weapons. And then at this point, I don't even know what to write anymore because mass chaos breaks out. Hey, man, all, all is fair in love and war games. The best they, they were spot of the night was Killian Dane locking the fucking door and swallowing the key. Which would even play later until the end of the match. No one could get the hell out of the cage. <laughs> nobody could leave. Even after the match was over, nobody could yeah. get the hell out of the cage. You know what? That is a nice touch. I, I'm so glad that they like paid attention to that. Oh, it was great. And I don't know if that was planned or not, but it was awesome. Because at the end of the match, Cole goes to go out the door, and they're just like, we can't open the door. And Cole's like, what the hell do you mean you can't open the door? <laughs> you see, that's, one of those things that, that's one of those things you pay attention to. That if we would see on the red or blue brand, that the door just would open and yeah. expect everyone to forget about right. it. Right. And Cole's like, get me the hell out of here. We won the fucking match. I want the hell out of here. Have you seen the Authors of Pain? Well, which all, you know, which plays to it. 
you know, his character, man. He's that chicken shit. He's going to run. Get me he the just, he hell just stole, out of here. He just stole one from from some complete monsters that just were just using their own physical presence to destroy him. And then three other monsters that were using everything and anything but the kitchen sink to beat the shit out of him and his team. They want to get the hell out of there. By the time Killian Dane gets in the ring, Killian Dane just basically kills everybody. Killian Dane goes for a cover. Adam Cole breaks up the cover. And Killian Dane looks pissed. And my only thought was, oh my God, Adam, run away. <laughs> run away now. Just... And he does. He takes off. He goes into the other ring, gets as far away from Killian Dane as he possibly can until Killian Dane finally catches him, gets his hand around his throat, and Bobby Fish makes the save. Thank God for Bobby Fish. They really put Killian Dane over strong in this match. I was going to say, you know, I got a question I was going to ask you. I was going to save this maybe as we get towards the end here, but I'll just bring it up here. He has to be the MVP of this match, correct? Oh, yeah. Killian Dane and Adam Cole. To me, are are by far the two. Well, and I think maybe you expect that from Cole. When it comes to Dane, he just took it to the next. I'm talking next level. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be big money in Killian Dane, whether as a face or a heel. I think he just showed that here. You know, one of the spots, the first, you know, just pop into my mind right now. That damn near, you know, 350 pound coast to coast. Yeah, what a ridiculous spot that was, right? Wow. And and the best was when he gets up there and he looks at Adam Cole. And he's just like, watch this. <laughs> yeah, that's your buddy over there. <laughs> well, Adam Cole's hanging out on the top of the cage, which is probably my favorite spot since, uh, God, I don't remember what year it was, but Road Dog was in the Royal Rumble. And he comes out and uh, he gets into the ring. And he just like slides halfway into the ring and he takes his feet and his arms and wraps them around the bottom rope and just lays there for like half the match because he figures if he holds on to the bottom rope, nobody can throw him over the top rope. Genius. I always got a kick of, uh, I don't know the year off the top of my head when, yeah, Jerry Lawler had someone had thrown him over the top. He landed on one foot, so he just stood there for like 20 minutes just standing <laughs> on one foot. Technicalities, man. Technicalities. Yeah, man. That's why he's the king. One of the biggest spots of the night, Killian Dane faces off with one of the authors of Pain. I seriously can't tell him apart, and I don't know which one is which. Do you? Uh, no, and even there was a couple times in there the commentary had to correct themselves on who they were calling the spots for. That spot was awesome. That was spot. I mean, just two very very large men staring at each other from across two rings and you knew shit was on and it did not disappoint the chasing the dragon super kick combo spot i thought was absolutely freaking awesome the super collider with dane caught in the middle i thought that was a great spot i loved commentary putting over paul ellering calling the shots for authors of pain at ringside i thought that was a really nice touch Thought they could have done a little bit more with Ellering in this match, though, didn't you? No, I thought it, it, this was this is about the stuff in the mat inside that cage that's going on. Uh, There's already enough going on there. I don't. I didn't find any reason to include him there. I think I thought it was really cool. They went over over the top, making mention that that he was involved in in the very first one. 
I think I thought it was just kind of a, a cool moment to see that he somehow has a tie into what we're doing here in 2017. And he even made a couple uh, mentions uh, that he was on the outside instructing his two monsters, you know, how to just dismantle the competition. Roderick Strong needs a Backbreaker City t-shirt. Can we uh, get that in production, please? There we go, man. Uh, the Olympic slam that he gave to Killian Dane, I thought was absolutely awesome. Then he goes for the pin, and Adam Cole breaks up the pin with a super kick. Who in the fuck breaks up a pin attempt with a super kick? Other than one of the super click, I guess. Then we have Adam Cole hiding on the top of the cage. What did you think of Adam Cole hiding on the top of the cage? But from the very get-go, from, right from the start of the match when he was attempting to get up there, and then they're starting to put over, or well, where's he going to go? <laughs> I, at, the, at that point, I thought it was, it was genius. He's going to get up there, especially when you're trying to avoid. I mean, you're, not, you're not so much trying to avoid like Roddy. You think you can handle him because you're bigger than him. What do you got those other giants and just insane killers in there? They might not come up there and get you. So you're kind of hiding out. You know, it's just it's kind of like when there's a you're trying to get away from a wild animal and you shoot up a tree and you're just trying to hide up there. I just keep thinking of that shot of Adam Cole sitting on the two turnbuckles and he does the Adam Cole baby thing. And then he sees the two authors of pain coming at him and the look on his face. It's just like, oh shit. Now yeah, what? It's, yeah, now, now what it's am like, I gonna oh, do? So he shimmies across the top rope, up the cage, crawls across the top to the corner. Oh, my God. It was fantastic. I thought that was great. Uh, Ralph Page III uh, made the comment that I thought was great. Poor Survivor Series is going to have to live up to this. And our friend Craig didn't like the finish. Did you like the finish? Or did the finish seem kind of out of nowhere to you? No, it set, it set well with me. I, I didn't have too many problems with it. You know. These, these types of matches, as I said, man, they're, they're train wrecks. That's what they're there for, man. They're there for big spots and big pops. I thought the match delivered on that front. So I was, I was quite okay with the way it went home. How about yourself? I, I thought it was great. I thought it was booked right. Adam Cole getting the pinfall. I think Adam Cole is now a legitimate star. Would you agree on, with that? Yeah, I I think this is what this entire point of this was. You know, we talked about it in our pre-show. That was the right call to give him the win here. Yep. Yeah, I think you, 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 you elevate it. I think that was your main objective, to make sure that you come out of this thing with Undisputed Era as your dominant faction, that Cole is the standout star amongst them. And you and, get the added bonus of Killian Dane now being wait, a star yeah. as well. I don't know. To me, no one looked bad in this match. I think everyone's stock has risen. Obviously, Dane's quite more than than others, but I wouldn't have anything bad to say about any of the performers here. It, it, was a, it was a good outing all around. Well, now the million-dollar question is, what the fuck is the main roster going to do tomorrow? Or is this going to be another... NXT was better weekend. You know, we get so much of that, and I do want to remind everyone, I, I don't think it's completely fair. You know, NXT only has to do this five times a year. That's a valid point. It, you know, it's easy to do when 
when you only got to do it a limited amount of times. Main, I don't, I hate using the term main roster. Red and blue, they got to do this once a month, and your red blue creative have to come up with things twice a month for these things. Yeah, but man, there's something to be said for consistency, and NXT just keeps pumping out these great shows. The main roster's got to just be shitting their pants right now. There's some things that I would like to see taken away, especially with like the pay-per-view styles. I understand why we're all three hours. I mean, you've got to milk that advertising. Yep. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind these shorter pay-per-views, because I believe me, Survivor Series could put on a, a tremendous show tomorrow. I hope they do. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it looks great on paper. But I am dreading six hours of it. Yep. Yeah, that three-hour mark is just about perfect. And I know we have a lot of coverage we, that we need to do. We're going to be pumping out some awesome content over in the group, hyping up uh, the Survivor Series event itself. But I've almost got my con- myself convinced that I, I'm going to sit out most of the pre-show. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I just don't think I can sit through six hours. Yeah, I think I can follow enough of what I need to get out of the pre-show through the app. You know, anything really of importance that comes up that's going to alert me and let me know? Well, really, the only thing of any importance is the Cruiserweight title match, right? I mean, isn't that really the only thing of any real importance on the pre-show? If if there's any developments, you never know if they're actually going to actually use that platform to elevate the event, but I highly doubt it. But you never know. I I always hold out hope. I mean, especially since they already announced Natty's going to be the fifth. But I'll wait until Monday to bury that. Um, that was a terrible idea. I wonder if there's something more to it. I, here, here's what I will say. If maybe they had plans for something else, they just couldn't get it to work out. Like yeah, Nikki couldn't kind. get cleared or something. Yeah, maybe, you know, yeah, there was something up. You that know, we all just ass- my mind. We all just assumed that she's going to be there. Well, maybe she can't make it. Maybe she has scheduling conflict. Maybe she has something going on. Maybe they reached out to some other some other talents, and they just couldn't get anything to really happen. I think making the announcement is the right way to go because if they would have just kept people hanging on, like, oh, it's going to be a surprise. We're going to get somebody new. And then it was Natalia. But wouldn't you rather it, wait well, and do it on the pre-show than do it on fucking Twitter? No. I think with this, I, I, I get where they come out with this. You know, it's it's kind of like when a major corporation or, or any business really wants to issue like a half-ass apology. You kind of just get it out there and just kind of hope that it flies under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Because believe me, if they, if they would have waited like to last minute. With all the even, hype and people talking about it for the whole weekend and then yeah. it's natty. And, yeah. And then you're kind of like, then they initially are just going to start shitting on the entire match. And to be clear, this is nothing against Natty. I think Natty's a great talent. It's just... I actually, you know, just speaking for the talent, I think it's it's probably more fair to her that people now know it's going to be her and they don't feel that her introduction and her presence there is a letdown from some grand surprise that they had built up in their head. Yeah, there I mean, cause, that. I mean, because you kind of look at, you know, going back to Monday... You know, when there was no page, but people were pretty hyped about that. And we know it was a swerve. It was, hey, look what I've got over here in my right hand because we're going to, we're going to surprise, you know, we're going to pull the magic trick off with our left hand and it bring Triple H back. But it really, it, you know, it took, it took the wind out of the sails for quite a few fans. 
And it just to be fair to Natty, if she was the big surprise, when people, you know, if she, her music hits and people are waiting for something else, then they would really dump on her. And I don't think that's fair to her for, you know, she is a tremendous talent and a very loyal talent and, you know, devoted to that company. Anything else that you want to comment on as far as TakeOver War Games goes? Uh, we're talking about, you know, you said the big question is, what do they do tomorrow? Little hot little conversation was going on there towards the end of it. What do you see going on here with uh, AOP? Is it time for them to move on? I'm all for bringing Authors of Pain up to the main roster. The sooner the better. I was ready for them to come up after the last TakeOver. So I, I would put them on Raw. Where would you put them? Would you put them on Raw or SmackDown? Well, I, you know, there's that, always that great dispute. I know you were having a conversation. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember who the gentleman was at, the, at this time. Uh, you know, he was saying, oh, they got to go to SmackDown. And it seems like everybody always wants everyone from NXT to go to SmackDown. Yeah, why is that? Well, I think it's just the perception, that, you know, it, that SmackDown's always the, it's the wrestler show. It's where people are going to get opportunity. Well, where I Raw agree really it's the wrestler has, show. That's I, why I, I would send Raw, AOP to Raw. Well, Raw has that stigma of it really is Vince's little little evil empire, you know? It just has a stigma about it. What I would actually prefer to see is maybe have them show up at Survivor Series and just whoop the shit out of both the Usos and the bar and leave this big teaser. Oh, wait a minute. We've got these, these two freaking monsters here but we don't know where they're going they just took out both tag team champs the more of a tease the more i think about it the more i think authors of pain have to go to monday night raw if they get called up now because the bludgeon brothers are coming to smackdown and i think you want to keep those two teams apart at least for now similar acts yep where they're just kind of like the devastators that are just kind of coming in and just whoop everyone's ass. Yep, the big monsters who come in and kill everybody. Well, Christmas season is almost upon us, so I would not mind if Santa brought us all the AOP led by Samoa Joe, and they were absolutely kicking the shit out of the shield. I'd pay 999 yen for that. Absolutely, in a heartbeat. So that's going to do it for us tonight, this morning, whatever time it is. Thanks for tuning in to our special post-takeover uh, show. The next time that we're going to be in your ear holes is actually on Monday with Big Ray over in the locker room at Hami Media Group. You can always find the show on thegorillaposition.com as well as iTunes and Podbean. Be sure that you rate, review, and subscribe. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Find us on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the stalkers find you? As always, I am on Twitter at TheRealRBV. And I'm getting better and better about staying active on Twitter. Uh, so I'd love to, to make some new acquaintances and, and talk a little wrestling on that platform. But I don't want to spend a lot of time putting myself over here. But, but I would like to take this time to thank everyone who has joined us over in the Hameen Media Discussion Group. This is our big grand opening weekend. We're having a major launch party, all sorts. I'm talking all 
sorts of uh, interactive content just pertaining to everything that's going on in the world of professional wrestling this weekend. Man, we, we had the soft open. What day did we launch? Was it Wednesday? Wednesday, I believe it was. Uh, we, we are just a few few short days here later, and we are at the 500-member mark. Uh, I think that's pretty impressive. Come join uh, the community. That, join our little cult of wrestling. Well, I, you know, I'd say the, you know, the attitude and the atmosphere in the group, it's just incredible. I know we're only going to grow. We're going to grow bigger, better, and stronger. I uh, you know, once again want to remind everyone tomorrow that we have a full day of Survivor Series car- coverage. If you're already a member, make sure that you stick with us all day tomorrow. If you're not a member, then it's real simple how you find us. Hop on Facebook, do a quick search for the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Tickle that join button. Jogger and myself, we are we are admins there along with uh, the man himself, Ben Hameen, and and our partner in crime on Mondays in the locker room, Big Ray. Uh, one of us will be quick to, to let you in on all the fun and activity that's going on. All the great, great wrestling minds that are partaking in a lot of great wrestling conversation. It's been one hell of a night. We'll see what the big leagues have to top this tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Also, as a reminder, at 4.20 a.m. on Sunday or today, depending on where you are when you listen to this and how soon I get it posted. At 4.20 a.m., the Be the Booker Around the Pool is going to be dropping. 4.20 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, that is correct. So, I guess that's it for tonight. We're off like a prom dress. We'll talk to you Monday. See ya.
was living a lie. I fucked your bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy. <laughs> Oh, you fake ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know I. Watch your face. You'll be so bad.